What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the doghouse, episode number two of the doghouse of this 2023 Cleveland Browns season. I am your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at uh, Garage Beers Mike. And we have got a great show coming up for you tonight. Again, if you've never checked out the doghouse before, and when I say never, it's only been one other episode, but if you've never checked it out before, the whole purpose of the dog pound is this we are going to take a look at the Cleveland Browns, and we're going to do it from the perspective of me as a guy who helps to cover the Browns, who talks about the Browns, and a special guest that we're going to bring in in just a little bit who covers the opposing team uh, that the Browns are going to be going up against this upcoming week. Last week, we had a great time talking about the Bengals. This week, we've got a great guest as well. It's Jarrett Bailey, who's going to talk to us about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm excited for this because you know how Browns and Steelers conversations can go. And I'll tell you, I want you to be a part of the show. So uh, it's going to be just a minute. Jarrett texted me. Uh, he said he's just going to be a couple of minutes. So hang out with me. We'll discuss kind of where the Browns are at. We'll discuss what happened with the Cleveland Browns. And then when Jarrett pops in, we will bring him in to talk about this upcoming game uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, uh, and again, if you've got questions, if you're joining us live here tonight on the OBR's YouTube or Twitch, get in the comments. And let us know what you're thinking. Give us your comments. Give us your questions. Both from a Browns and a Steelers perspective, we will try to get those things answered for you. Uh, and if you're a Steelers fan, it's kind of like being in the dog pound when you jump in the comments. But if you saw that Jarrett retweeted it, you wanted to see what Browns fans are saying about the game, and you're joining us, welcome. Join the comments at your own risk. Join, your, join the comments at your own risk. But for real, let's keep it fun. Let's have a good time. And again, when Jarrett gets in here, I will bring him in and we will preview this entire matchup, a matchup that feels enormous for the Cleveland Browns. Enormous for the Cleveland Browns. This matchup for the Cleveland Browns feels, for a week two matchup, it feels huge. Because unlike last year, and again, this whole winning week one thing is not new, or is not, it is new for us. It's not familiar. Uh... To go into a, a week two game after winning week one against a division team. And not just a division team, but the team that's picked by pretty much everybody to win the division. And the way the Browns dominated that game against the Cincinnati Bengals. To have a chance to go up against the traditional powerhouse in the AFC North. And listen, I know some of you might not like this. Some of you might not like this, but... There's going to be times tonight when I'm talking to Jarrett where we we you got to give credit to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the accomplishments that they've had over the last, I don't know, 30 years. I'm not going to be too nice about it. Won't be too nice, but we'll talk about it. Uh, the fact that you get a chance to to take on the, the traditional division powerhouse team in the Pittsburgh Steelers, that team that we want to be a rival again here in Cleveland because, again, the way we've played for 25 years, that rivalry is kind of... Mm, and we're going to get Pittsburgh's perspective on that tonight with Jared. But it's going to be huge. The fact that the Browns are going to have a chance to take down the Bengals in week one and the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two. I don't know. I don't know that there's much of a better way. If, if there is a chance for the Browns to start a season in an ideal fashion, I don't know that it gets much more ideal than that. I don't know that it gets much more ideal than beating the Bengals week one and taken down the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two. So, again, 
Uh, Jared said he's going to be here in just a few minutes. I didn't want to start the show late. So you just just hang out with me. Uh, And I'll do a quick recap of the Browns game from Sunday. And uh, uh, when Jared gets here, we'll bring him in. So let's talk about the Cleveland Browns for a minute. And, and before we get into that, let me let me give a shout out to the OBR. I didn't even do that. I got so excited about the doghouse here that I didn't even give a shout out to the OBR. But a shout out to the OBR. All the best Browns coverage going on right now on the OBR, on the website, on the streaming network. Make sure if you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube, hit the subscribe button tonight. If you haven't like told your friends, like, hey, you got to be checking out the OBR. It's the best place to get Brown stuff. Go tell your friends. Get them to subscribe as well. Uh, get subscribed to the website. Uh, where you get the best written coverage of the Cleveland Browns. All the best stuff going on with the Cleveland Browns happens on the OBR. Tonight, we've got the Doghouse. Tomorrow, or I'm sorry, and later tonight, I got to give a, a shout out to my other show. Later tonight, Garage Beers, episode 180. We got Adam the Bull on from the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. I think that's going to be really fun. Bull's a, Bull's a Bengals fan. He covers the Browns, and he's pretty nice about the Browns, but he's a Bengals fan, so we're going to talk to him about how he felt about the Browns-Bengals game. Make sure you're tuned in at 9 o'clock for, uh, for Garage Beers. Bring a beer. Bring your own beer. It's going to be a good time. Tomorrow night, OBR Weekly. Uh, Barry and Fred always. That's the flagship show, OBR Weekly. And Thursday, uh, it's All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. He'll have a great show as we head into the weekend, getting ready for this Monday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, if you're just joining us, I'm going to be joined any minute now by Jarrett Bailey from SB Nation's Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, he's going to he's gonna help us preview this game from both a Browns and a Pittsburgh Steelers point of view. Uh, and so let's talk about this game last week, though, as we wait for Jared to come on. As we wait for Jared to come on. I, I don't know that that could have been a better start for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if it could have. It, it, there's a couple reasons why. One, it wasn't perfect. I know we're, we're, we can talk offensively. We can talk offensively about the things that we want to see them improve upon. And there's, there's, there's stuff. But as far as an ideal start, you, you win 24 to three over the Cincinnati Bengals. You've got Bengals fans reeling, by the way. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Bengals fans are absolutely reeling. Uh, I get a question. I do want to address this. Paul Spencer, is Jake going to have an evening show? Yeah, Monday nights. Monday nights are for Jake Burns. Chalk Talk. Monday night, 7 p.m. So if you didn't see Jake last night, he was on. Catch Jake Monday night. Uh, OBR Unscripted is not a thing anymore. Uh, that's just kind of our off-season show where we're just kind of kind of unscriptedly talk about the Browns. Uh, and Unscripted is going to be replaced by Jake's show on Monday night. Jake Burns every Monday talking about film and the previous weekend's game. And then Tuesday nights will be the doghouse and it will be garage beer. So uh, we've got all of that going on. But listen... Uh, there's going to be a little bit of talking about last weekend's game with our guest. I just saw him pop on in the background. I want to bring him in because that's the whole point of the show. We're going to talk about the Browns. We're going to talk about the Steelers and we're going to get both perspectives. And so I want to bring in my special guest again. He's from SB nations behind the steel curtain. He's from the pump fake, uh, the pump fake on the believe network. And he also writes for USA today. I'm really excited to have him. I'm really excited for where the direction of where this show is going to go. Let's bring him in right now. It's Jarrett Bailey, Jarrett. Welcome in to the doghouse. How are you? What's going on, man? Um, you know, the past uh, 48 hours or so as a, uh, as a Steeler fan have been a little bit hectic, especially with, you know, given all my little rants that I've given over the, the past few days. So it's week one's done. Hopefully this is just a situation where, you know, you burn the tape, you move on, 
Um, but I'm, I'm ready to be done talking about Steelers 49ers at this point. Well, the good news is, I mean, I think we'll bring up just a little bit so we can look at where how we got to where we're at at this point. But we're not going to talk a lot about Steelers 49ers. <laughs> and, and as much as I want to talk about, and you're getting, look at, you're getting uh, love in the comments. Your voice is luxurious in the comments. Luxurious. <laughs> it's appreciated. Uh, as much as I would love to sit here and talk all day about the Browns and the Bengals. We're not going to talk about a ton, a ton about that either. But listen, uh, again, thanks for jumping into the doghouse. Hostile territory for sure. Uh, talking about the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, but we do want to find out a little bit about you before we jump into talking about the teams, man. You're the guest. You're the special guest on the show. So just are you a are you a native Pittsburgh guy? How long have you been covering the team? And, uh, uh, you know, just kind of give us your how you got to where you're at. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in like Western Pennsylvania. So I've always been around the area and whatnot. You know, as long as I've lived in Western Pennsylvania, somehow never once stepped foot in Ohio. I don't know how that happened. What? I, I know. It's so weird. Like I went to I went to school like 45 minutes away from Youngstown. It just never happened. I never had like a reason to to go there. Um, so but yeah, I grew up in Pennsylvania all my life, spent most of it on the western side of the state. I live in Pittsburgh now. Uh, started writing, well, what was it? The first like paid of any kind of writing gig I got um, was in 2020 when I started writing for Fansided. I was a junior in college at that point and then graduated in 2021. Had a bunch of other gigs in the middle, places, uh, Pro Football Network, small stints uh, with team sites at Sports Illustrated. Uh, now with SB Nation and, and, and uh, USA Today and uh, doing podcast stuff as well you can go listen to the pump fake yeah. as well um and that's that's where i'm at right now in terms of everything so uh, a fully gotta, loaded plate for this season i gotta stop asking that question i just i, I just am i can you guys see me getting older as he's talking about being college in 2021 <laughs> <laughs> i'm just getting older uh so here's the first thing i want to talk about with you because i always think this is fascinating we all know what life has been like for the pittsburgh steelers and their fans and the Cleveland Browns and their fans since 1999. We all know what it's been like. You were in college in 2020, so you don't even remember what it used to be like. But yeah, that's um, uh, yeah, I I didn't see like the uh, the welcome back to Cleveland game. There is a a great Pittsburgh YouTube channel called uh, It's Yinsberg who like does a bunch of like highlights of like classic Steelers games, and one of the games on there is the the Browns' first game back when they uh, returned to '99. Cordell Stewart was the quarterback for the Steelers, and they just beat the piss out of the Browns. So, yeah. So uh, it's it's been kind of like that for, I guess, ever since they came back, with few exceptions over the last, what, 24 years now. Yeah, it, it's 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 always fun to talk about this with a Pittsburgh person because the, us older Browns fans remember this rivalry that, that rivals anything. It rivals anything. The, the cool. old... Brown Steelers rivalry is one of the great rivalries in the history of sports. But when yeah. you think about the, when you think about the Browns now, what do you think about? What's it like? Does it even get you? Does it get Pittsburgh going at all? Um, I mean, not me personally. Um, the first game I do have a recollection of watching though was the Steelers Browns 2004. Ben Ben Roethlisberger's first game against the Browns at home. Jeff Garcia, the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Oh. And uh, the Steelers won 34-21. Ben Roethlisberger had his first career rushing touchdown that day. 
I, I could tell you everything about that game. Deuce Staley scored the first touchdown, rushing touchdown. <laughs> Jerome Bettis had a rushing touchdown. Plexico Burris had a touchdown. Uh, ben threw a pick six to Chris Crocker that game for the Browns. Um, and there was, for some reason, I vividly remember, there was a Jeff Garcia pass. There, see, there it is. Uh, there was a Jeff Garcia pass that Bill Cowher thought he was, like, past the line of scrimmage, and he challenged it, and, like, his heel was still, like, not past the line of scrimmage. So, yeah. yeah. So just, like, every minute detail about that game I can specifically remember. And at the end, Ben puts the game on ice with, like, a, a scramble to get a first down, and Gus Johnson's on the call, and he just goes, this kid's got to be special. And I was like, yeah, Gus Johnson, yeah, he is. He is going to be special. Um, so that was my first, like, intro into football, and it was a you know, game against the Browns. So, um, by the way, underrated aesthetic. For Jeff Garcia and those Browns uniform. I love the way he looked as a football player. It wasn't great for the Browns. I think I don't think he lasted the entire year in 2004. I think he got released after signing that contract. But just a great aesthetic Jeff Garcia had. He had a he, he had a great first impression. The team came out and beat the Ravens week one. It was great. Mm. And then it just was trash from there. Butch was, Davis also not the greatest. I, I, they, I guess he was the coach when they made it to the playoffs, right, though? Yeah. Davis was? Yeah. Okay. He was there for I can tell bit. you a lot about that game. I can tell you a lot about <laughs> Dennis Northcutt in that game, but I don't want to talk about it. Uh, no, you know what? I think it's I think it's it's exciting, especially to talk to a younger guy, a younger Steelers guy, younger Browns fans. I think Browns fans were just trained by, even younger fans are trained by their parents and stuff that you just don't like the Steelers. Sure. And, and frankly, I think if you've been to games, Brown Steelers games, you've seen the stupid, terrible towels everywhere, and it makes you hate them. But I, I, one of the things that I look forward to about hopefully the Browns just digging out of this two-decade-long trench that they're in is that the younger fans can understand what that was like again. Because if the Browns are good and the Steelers are good, that rivalry will come back. And if it does, it, it, it blows everything away. If, if you guys think you have a rivalry with the Ravens, it's not. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers Ravens from like 2007 to like 20 to really been retired, I would say. Like, that was this is that was like the John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, just rivalry and hard hitting, constantly meeting in the playoffs. And so, you know, for for my generation, I mean, Steelers Ravens is like the it rivalry. Um, I wasn't alive for, you know, the the 70s and 80s and 90s to see what that was in its heyday. But yeah, I mean, since the Browns have come back, the Steelers have largely owned. Cleveland and I think that's yep. why the rivalry has it now there have been moments where you know the playoff game a few years ago where you know Juju Smith-Schuster ran his mouth and they they just ran up the score against the Steelers it was a 48-37 I think the final score of that game was yeah um so I mean the Browns have had you know a few moments of you know come up it's against the Steelers um but yeah for the most part since they returned it has been largely in favor of Pittsburgh yeah uh All right, a little bit about the rivalry. I want to get one more thing before we start talking about a little bit about how we got to where we are, the 0-1 Steelers, the 1-0 Browns, getting ready to meet on Monday Night Football. One more fascinating thing that I – anytime I talk to a big Steelers fan, especially somebody like you that really closely covers the Steelers, one thing that's very fascinating to me, I think if you leave Pittsburgh, talk to us here in Cleveland. If there's one thing we want to give you like props for, your coach, Mike Tomlin, is – in my opinion, one of the top coaches in all of football on any level. Yet when we, when I talk to Steelers fans, I talk to a lot of people and the grumbling seem to happen year in and year out that just seem like they don't want him around anymore. Like they're tired of him. 
What's going on down there? Why are people getting tired of Mike Tomlin? It's a spoiled fan base. That's very much like Steelers fans are maybe the most spoiled in football. Now, I understand the the gripes that people may have in terms of, okay, they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. And well, there is context with that, where in 2019, they lose Ben Roethlisberger for the year. They Mike Tomlin had a team that was led by Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at eight and five at one point. Now they lose the final yeah. three games down the stretch. And that was, it was disappointing because they were a win away from getting, turning that team into a playoff team. Um, and in 2020, they have the, you know, the undefeated start 11 and 0, and then they lose three of their final four. So will get to the playoffs. And then obviously they run into the Browns and are a wild card exit. And then they start off, was it 2021 where they start off the season with one and four, one and three, nobody expects them to make the playoffs. They get in and then they run into the chiefs. Like nobody expected them to even make it to right. the playoffs, much less beat Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> um, and then, then they got destroyed as was expected that they would. So, yes, not having any sort of playoff success in seven years warrants a little bit of unrest. I get that. But if the Steelers fired Mike Tomlin, there would be 30 other teams that would be lining up and say, yep, we'll give him a job. He can be our head coach. Like you think right now that, you know, a team – who's in the dumps like the Cardinals wouldn't be like, oh yeah, Jonathan Gannon, you can go away. We'll take my time sure. and go from here. Um, so I understand the frustrations. However, like- there are plenty of teams that would love to have Mike Tomlin and love to constantly be at least in the picture for the playoffs every year. Cause not everybody gets that, but the Steelers are held to a little bit of a higher standard and I get that. But right now, I think the issues that we've seen, especially over the past you know, year or so. I mean, those, those aren't necessarily Mike Tomlin issues. Right. Yeah, it's, again, it's just fascinating for us. We've been through the carousel, man. We've been through the coach carousel. We never get used to Crazy. having it. Finally, it seems like we got a little stability. But again, we're even talking about a little bit of a hot seat for Kevin Stefanski if they don't get things really turned around this year because it's been a disappointing couple of years. Yeah. And, and so to hear, uh, to hear, uh, uh, Pittsburgh talking about Mike Tomlin. We're like, oh, all right, you guys get rid of him then. <laughs> like, that's fine. You guys go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Uh, all right, man, let's get into this a little bit. Let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about how we got here. I told you we weren't going to do this a lot, but it was real interesting about August, maybe mid-July and all of August. All of a sudden, there was this hype train that started for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know if you guys really noticed it, but man, it was really apparent everywhere else. I didn't like it. Uh, as soon as I saw like national people were like, oh man, the Steelers, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't good. And it was kind of a thing where like local people or like beat people, like I saw in camp and everybody else who was on the beat, you could you, you talk to people, you hear them, it was like, yeah, they're probably going to be better this year. They were nine and eight last year. They looked really good down the stretch. Pickett looked like he was going to take a step forward. Um, and look, one game i understand this and i've ranted about this for the past two days so forgive me um but when you come out like that and you look the way you did hit your kenny pickett where all of these hey you see the stat line right there in terms of just like when you take into consideration all of the expectations and all that steelers fans hyped up kenny pickett to be 
you come out and play like that, that's the most disappointing thing out of all of this. And people, Steelers fans will run and they'll blame Mike Tomlin or they'll blame Matt Canada, which is fair. Matt Canada is not a good offensive coordinator and he shouldn't have retained the job coming into this season. Yesterday or Sunday wasn't on Matt Canada. He can't throw to guys. There was multiple throws that Pickett sailed or he threw behind Deontay Johnson or anything of the sort. He threw two really bad interceptions, should have thrown the third, but Fred Warner dropped the third one that, that Kenny Pickett gift wrapped and tried to hand to him. I tried to buy into the optimism of Kenny Pickett because I was one of the level-headed Steelers fans that didn't like the pick. I felt like they were just drafting the story rather than the player. You got all these like Pitt fans who are also Steeler fans who are proclaiming Pickett to be the second coming of Christ simply because he went to the same school in the same city. And I didn't like it. And I was really hard on him throughout the year. And I was pretty vocal about it in what I was writing. Like, hey, man, he might just not be the guy. And you, you see the games against the Raiders and the Ravens where, you know, they come back uh, late in the fourth quarter and he seems to have that clutch gene in him, which is great. You know what else would be really, really great? If he didn't play like balls for the first 57 minutes of each game, so they didn't have to come back. And that's that's where I kind of am on Kenny Pickett. I think that there's always going to be a divided fan base within the fan base about him, where you got the people who really like Pitt and really like Pickett because he came from there and love the story, where you got people like me who are like, look, man, his ceiling, his absolute ceiling is Kirk Cousins. Now, if he reaches that absolute ceiling, can you win with him? Absolutely. But he can't be a passenger. He needs to play well if this team's going to go anywhere, especially if the defense looks like it did on Sunday all season long where they can't tackle anybody and it doesn't matter what you throw at them. They're, they're not going to be able to stop anything. So everybody, all these Steelers fans were in my mentions all offseason telling me I was too hard on Kenny Pickett, that he's going to prove me wrong. Sure as hell doesn't look like he is. This is going to be a big testing point for him on Monday night. See how he bounces back from an awful performance against a team where on paper, one to 53, I think the Steelers at minimum are even with the Browns. I think some fans and I might be a little bit biased. I, you know, I'd say that on paper, they're a little bit better, but you're at home. It's Monday night. You're coming off a bad game. Win. If you want to shut people up, win. And if you don't, then you're 0 2 and you're going to have a lot of people questioning whether you're the guy and rightfully so. Once we get into this actual matchup, I might have to take a little bit of umbrage of that one to 53 thing you just said right there, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> You're answering the good news. Thank you for doing this. You're answering questions that we're getting in the comments. Uh, the Steelers see picket and, and this is more you see picket is more Bubby Brister or big Ben. Uh, you were answering one from Amatora. Are you sold on picket or is the jury still out? I mean, that's, that's the, the thing for us. And the thing from an outside perspective is, I think it's it's because of the the level of success and, and the expectations of a Pittsburgh Steelers team, too, that, again, like I said, all of August, all we heard was, look out for Pittsburgh in the AFC North. Look out for Pittsburgh in the AFC yeah. North. And it, it felt like, from what? You know what I mean? Like, from a quarterback perspective, you've got somebody that's wildly unproven. Sure. And... And, and yeah, he, sh he showed that clutch gene a little bit, but that's kind of it. Uh, and you've got some questionable play calling like this game against the Niners. Like, I don't know. And you watch the game. I didn't see the game. You watch the game against the Niners. When I look and I see Kenny Pickett threw the ball 46 times and Najee Harris ran it, what, 10? Six times. Six times. Six times. That's really confusing to me because I think you're probably, I, I would like to have the ball. I think Najee Harris is a playmaker, right? You would want to have the ball in his hands a little bit during the game, not six times. 
Well, the thing with that is, is so here's how the Steelers started the game, their first five drives, three and out, interception, three and out, three and out, three and out. That was their first five drives, and they didn't put any sort of offense together until about two minutes left in the first half. And so at that time, the 49ers countered with touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal. So it's 20 to nothing. You can't really run the ball at that point because you're already down so much. And at that point, everybody knows what you're going to do. You're going to try to pass the ball and get back in the game. Only problem is when you have an incompetent offensive coordinator who runs the same concepts over and over again, you're not going to get too far. And that's the thing. The Steelers aren't built to play from behind. Like if they can get a lead, then they're then they're chilling. But if they're down 10 nothing, you it's wraps because they're not an offense that's dynamic. They are not a complicated offense to figure out, which the 49ers showed. And when they get down, they're not going to be able to play themselves back into it. So when it comes to like when it comes to Najee Harris, yes, it would be awesome to see him get more opportunities. But in order for them to do that, they need to have long established drives. Like Steelers did something that they, that they rarely do on Sunday. They won the toss and they wanted the ball first. And then they immediately went three and out. And then the 49ers immediately <laughs> marched down the field and Brandon Ayuk scored a touchdown where he burnt yeah. Patrick Peterson. So at that point, you're like, oh, this is that was like an omen at that point. Three and out followed by a 49ers touchdown. You're like, oh, this is going to be a long afternoon. And then Pickett throws this, the dumbest interception of his career where there wasn't anything there. He could have just thrown it away, taken his medicine, and they could have played for another down or punted, whatever. But just the decisions that he was making, the play calls were dumb. Like They went for it on a fourth and five inside the red zone because they had to. They needed the points, and then if they wanted a chance in the game, they had to score a touchdown. It's fourth and five. The, Brown, or the 49ers come out and cover two, and from, their own eight, from the 49ers' eight-yard line, Matt Canada draws up four verts. What are you doing? Like, if you're on your own 30, fine. That makes sense against cover two. You're in a compressed part of the field, less than 10 yards to go. What are you doing? And, of course, they, they turn the ball over, and that was pretty much the game at that point. Not that the Steelers, not that I expected them to come back in that game, but if they would have scored there, they'd be like, all right, you know, it's at least showing some fight. But, man, I'll, I, it's everything I've been saying for the past two years about Canada. You know, when Ben was still there, you can you could say, all right, Ben doesn't have the juice in his arm anymore to throw it over the middle of the field or throw it deep. And they don't have the offensive line to keep him protected. And he's 97 years old. If he gets hit, he's going to explode. I get that argument. But now you got Pickett who can move around a little bit. You upgraded the offensive line, especially on the left side. Isaac Samalu didn't play all that well. Um, Chooks of got hurt and they had to put in Roger Jones, the rookie who they're kind of taking their time with. Just everything that could have gone wrong for the Steelers went wrong, and it was it was a lot to take in personally. Yeah, personally, it's, it takes a minute to get over it. Uh, on the other side, and you brought this up before because you talked about the Steelers weren't able to really stop anything. It's it, that is it's a crazy stat line to look at when you look at the statistics of the game defensively. Because what's the first name you're going to look at when you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Always is T.J. Watt, yeah. and what is his what's his stat like line look like? Three sacks. Five quarterback hits, uh, a fumble recovery. I mean, the dude, and he forced I, two fumbles. Yeah, yeah. You're you're talking about some guys are done with their year, and they're like, ah, oh, that wasn't bad. And <laughs> T.J. Watt does it that very first night. But nothing. I mean, we're talking about the fact that he had five QB hits. Yeah. The team had seven, so nobody else got to Brock Purdy at all. And they weren't really making him uncomfortable. And then on the backside of that, and maybe it's because there wasn't a ton of discomfort outside of TJ Watt, but 
the defensive backs weren't making a ton of plays. There wasn't a lot going on from the linebacker position. Just, uh, you know, is it is it a is that a system of the the a symptom, I should say, of them not being able to get a ton of pressure on Purdy and really make him uncomfortable? Or is there some are there some problems with that defensive backfield? I think it's more of not being able to get pressure. And when you're going up against a Kyle Shanahan offense, if if you give Brock Purdy in that offense time, somebody's going to be open. And when you don't when you don't get any sort of pressure, and you got to worry about George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, one of them's getting open. And you look at the Steelers' defensive backfield. Like Levi Wallace is a fine cornerback too. He's nothing great, but he's you know a middle of the pack cornerback. Patrick Peterson, I thought, still had a little bit of juice left um, in terms of being, you know, a capable starting cornerback. He had two pass breakups, but he also, you know, gave up two touchdowns. One of them was good coverage that Brandon Ayuk just makes a fantastic catch on. The other one he gets toasted on for the first score of the game. They did sign Desmond King. He was inactive for the game. I think they're still trying to get him acquainted uh, to the defense and whatnot. So they were relying on guys like Keanu Neal, uh, Shannon Sullivan, who was the Vikings nickel cornerback last year, and he wasn't good. So there, there are some troubles in the defensive backfield. I would like to just see them rip off the Band-Aid, stick Patrick Peterson in the slot, bring Joey Porter Jr. in as a starter opposite of Levi Wallace, and just make it a trial by fire at this point. Because there's, there's really nothing else that could go more wrong than what went wrong Sunday. And now Cam Hayward's gone for up to two months, so they're going to be relying on rookies like you know, Keanu Benton was a second-round pick, and he looked really good in the preseason. They're going to be relying on him, guys like DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Loudermilk. You know, they talked about how deep this team is and how deep the defensive line is. Nope, time to show it. So th- there's a lot of different things that go that go on with them, but they did they paid Alex Highsmith, who had 14 and a half sacks last year. He was a non-factor in the game. TJ Watt was, and I think that's kind of where they are. Highsmith is a really good Batman, but God forbid anything happen to TJ Watt again, they are gonna have no pressure. Um I would have liked to seen them like rotate in Nick Erbig some because he had a really nice preseason off the edge. We'll see if they decide to do something like that. But yeah, there's no pressure. And when you've got you're going up against basically the NFC Pro Bowl offense, somebody's gonna get open if you don't get pressure. And like their defensive backfield isn't horrible, but it's not great either. And if you don't get pressure, they're gonna be able to be taken advantage of. Now that was the that was the when I saw three three sacks, fumble recoveries, forced fumbles. And then I see that you still give up 40 points. It was kind of like, uh, he's got to be in the locker room. Like, what do I got to do? What, what, what I got to do? TJ Watt and the kick returner and reserve running back, Anthony McFarland showed up. The, the other 51 sucked. Everybody yeah. else was worthless that day. So that, that, that was rock bottom for the Steelers. Maybe. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm not going to make you relive because we're going to talk about it all week here on the OBR streaming network. I'm not going to make you relive uh, the, the, the fun that we had on Sunday as the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that's the favorite to come out of the AFC North came into Cleveland and lost 24 to three and really got shut down uh, uh, by the Cleveland Browns defense. But I do want to hear your take from the Pittsburgh perspective, from another AFC North team perspective. I want to know kind of, First, I want to hear what your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns coming into this season were. And then I want to know if that perspective has changed at all over just the last week. I mean, I thought the defense would be good. I mean, obviously, you got 95 on the defensive line who's, you know, Euro stepping the center of of the Bengals pre-snap. Like, the ultimate just, you're not going to stop me. Good luck. <laughs> like, I thought that was fun. But, no, I think 
the defensive backfield needed to take, to take a step forward from last year. Like you got guys like Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams. We needed to see more from them. Um, they don't have a lot of holes on that side of the ball. Like I thought Zadarius Smith had a really nice game as well. I thought he was a really nice pickup. And overall, I really like the front seven. Um, and I think the defensive backfield was uncharacteristically a little bit worse than expected last season. I think Jim Schwartz is a really good hired defensive coordinator, and he showed that. Um, in terms of what I expected from them as a whole, I predict, predicted them to go nine and eight. I think they're going to be in the wild card mix. And a lot of that was, I just don't know what we're going to get from the quarterback. And if week one is anything to take note from, he's still not very good, which is not a good sign for Cleveland. Uh, Nick Chubb was, I mean, he ran for over a hundred yards. You know, he's going to be reliable. Watson threw a, an interception like it was intended for Dax Hill, which well, it got, it was tipped. I still, man, that was, that was not good. It was not good. Um, yeah. Even even you take away the interception, man. He he just looks not not in sync. Just doesn't look comfortable. Um, so that was really my only question about the Browns was okay. How's Watson gonna look? How long is it going to be? How long is it gonna take him to get really in rhythm? And is he gonna look anything like we saw in twenty twenty? And I think that that's the thing with people just penciling in the Browns to be like this ten eleven win team. Oh, Watson's gonna look better. Last time he looked good was three years ago. That's a long time. Um, do I think he's going to be God awful throughout the year? No. Do I think that he'll, I think he'll be kind of in the middle, you know, between the 13th and 15th best quarterback in the league. And if the, if he is that and everybody else lives up to their expectation, then I think that they can be, you know, a nine, 10 win team in the hunt for a wild card spot. Uh, especially the defense looks like they did consistently throughout the year. Like they did in week one. Okay. So let's talk about this game. Brown Steelers, Monday night football. It's going to be. An interesting uh, scene there down in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Browns got those whiteout uniforms coming with the white helmets. They're going to be feeling themselves a little bit coming off of a big win. Uh, the Steelers, here's the tough thing for you guys, because you said it's been a tough couple days. Yeah, obviously it was a tough day against the Niners, but even days like today, uh, pretty tough, where you get the news that Cam Hayward's gone for, like you said, probably a couple months. Yeah. You also get the news that Deontay Johnson's out for a few weeks. Yep. So the the passing game that wasn't very effective in uh, week one against the 49ers, missing a guy they're expecting to be a major playmaker for them uh, for the next few weeks. So the injury's definitely taken their toll. Uh, thoughts on the Steelers, especially, you know, you pick up Allen Robinson. He's a pretty... Um, he's a fine number three option. In that he's like offense. a reliable guy. He's like a guy out there that he'll catch the ball when you throw it to him, right? That's kind of what he is at this point in his career. Uh, reliable, not going to make any humongous plays. Uh, but on the other side, you've got a highlight real guy in George Pickens. Uh, that, see, for me, I'm interested in, in watching him develop because he makes highlight plays, but I think he also is going to have a lot of games where he goes like three catches for 38 yards. Sure. And you're like, oh, okay, I don't know what he just did there. But... Um, but I think that the difficulty for you guys, that loss of Hayward uh, up the middle, um, he is a big factor in the success of that defensive line. He's a big factor in getting guys, being able to double t uh, take on double teams, being able to stop the run. The Steelers' numbers without him in the lineup against the run are atrocious. Uh, what are your thoughts on losing Cam Hayward for, for a couple of months? If I'm the Browns, I'm running the ball 40 times on Monday until the Steelers prove that they can stop it. I wouldn't worry about throwing the ball too much because Christian McCaffrey ran the ball for seven yards a clip on, on Sunday. And that was with Cam Hayward. 
uh, throughout most of the game. So yeah. if if you Nick Chubb is a very capable running back, one of the three best running backs in the league. They got a good interior offensive line in Cleveland. Make the Steelers stop you in the run. Play gritty. That's fine. You can play gritty football. This is AFC North football. It's always going to be a little bit grittier than the normal divisions. So I would run the hell out of the ball. Um, and until the Steelers prove that they can stop it, keep doing it. Um, in terms of you know who they have behind him, I mean, I highlighted Keanu Benton. He had a really nice preseason. I would expect him to start because Montrevious Adams is not good. Uh, to, just to put it frankly, he was a non-factor. Um, Isaiah Loudermilk, uh, who else is who else is really there? I think those are going to be kind of your main two. Um, they brought in like guys like Marcus Golden to help on the edge as well. Um, so we'll see how, how they'll move people around. But the main the main components, Larry Ogunjobi will still be there, although he's dealing with a foot injury. But I think he'll be good to go. So it's really going to be on Keanu Benton and Isaiah Loudermilk and Demarvin Leal as well. So those will be kind of your three guys that are tasked with filling the filling the hole that Cam Hayward leaves. And, you know, it's going to, if, if they can't stop Chubb, then it's just going to be a, a situation where the Browns control the clock, control time of possession, have like 12, 13 play drives and not worry about the passing game too much because they know that they can just get six yards of carry. Uh, and that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm worried about defensively is if they can't stop the run. Okay. So let's, let's go over to, let's assume the Steelers are able to, at least moderately control the run, right? Maybe you're not going to stop Nick Chubb uh, for a complete loss of a game. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But let's say the Steelers are able to kind of moderately, they really focus on the run. They really say, we're going to make the pass game and the Cleveland Browns beat us. So we're going to just sell out on this run and we're going to make Deshaun Watson and the Browns beat us. Talk to me about what in the Cleveland Browns where do you feel like, okay, well, now we still, we got to be careful of this. If we're going to do that, who are the guys that concern you if they go that route? I really like Elijah Moore. Um, I thought he was a really good acquisition from the Jets. Obviously, Amari Cooper's very good. Um, I'm intrigued to see the Dewan Jones matchup because I really liked him coming out of college. I had a day two grade on him. He's ginormous, just a huge specimen of a person. He's a vending machine yeah. with feet. He's ginormous. <laughs> um, I really liked him coming out of Ohio State. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see how he performs against Watt and how the Steelers just attack that side because uh, 49ers right tackle McKivitz wasn't very good and Watt took advantage of that. Uh, Dewan Jones is a little bit bigger um, and takes a little bit more space, but can he make up? Can he also have the quickness to keep up with T.J. Watt? And if he doesn't, the Steelers get constant pressure. Then we can see Deshaun Watson maybe force some things, make some errant throws, and hopefully guys, you know, like Minka Fitzpatrick can take advantage of that. So the Steelers can get pressure. That's awesome. I like their odds a lot more. And I think that they will. I mean, TJ, we know what TJ Watt brings to the table. Um, but Amari Cooper, we know how good he is. Najoku is a tight end that throughout his first few years, I think people were like, oh, man, is this guy going to be a bust? But I think he's, he's a fine tight end. Um, we saw what Harrison Bryant brings to the table as well at tight end. So, I mean, the Browns quietly have like a nice collection of guys. Donovan Peoples-Jones seems to have a nice chemistry with Deshaun Watson as well. Um, how is... I don't know why I vividly remember this so much, but that Washington game last year where Watson actually started to look like, you know, shades of his former self. Peoples Jones had like the game of his life that day where he, I don't remember how many catches he had, but he seemed to be the guy that Watson just kept coming back to. So they're deep in terms of their skill position, guys. We know they'll run the ball. It's just a matter of, okay, can the Steelers get pressure? And if they can't, can these defensive backs keep Elijah Moore 
Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones in check. Right, part of this, part of this is because you're an outsider, but part of this is I, I got to figure out where this is coming from. Okay, so Joe Burrow, you talked about Deshaun Watson's day on Sunday. Sure. Joe Burrow had a miserable he, time. He was bad. What was what was the reason Joe Burrow had a miserable time? The parallels. Go ahead. I was going to say, I know you may not have watched the game or whatever, but just oh, no, in no. Your... I, it was on one of my screens. Don't worry. I mean, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the parallels to the Bengals this year and the Bengals last year are incredibly similar. Last year, Burrow, no training camp, no preseason. The Bengals come out of the gates looking god awful. Burrow throws four interceptions against the Steelers. They lose to a Dallas team led by Cooper Rush and start off 0 2. They still get within plays of making it to their second straight Super Bowl. This year, Joe Burrow, no training camp, no preseason. The Bengals start off extremely slow and sluggish, and Joe Burrow has a bad game. I'm not surprised by this. I bet the Browns to win the game because of that. So Nice. I'm not, Congrats I'm not, on your win. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not worried about the Bengals at all, frankly. Like, Okay. I, I Just because of what happened last year, it's the exact same situation where they lose to a team that they're better than and start off slow. But you look at just how talented this team is. I'm not worried about the Bengals at all. I still think they're going to be, if not at the top, near the top of that division in the playoffs as a Super Bowl contender. I'm not worried about Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. No, that was, it was a little test to see if we had to have like a little mini, mini fun argument. But, but it, it's the thing that's been <laughs> driving me crazy in the conversation about the game, right? In go read the articles, the national, especially ones that have come out. And it's all been uh, Joe Burrow in the weather, in the elements, and, and not in a, he didn't have a training camp, but, couldn't grip the ball and the rain was really bothering them. And then it goes to Deshaun Watson. and was like, yeah, Watson just looks bad. He just, uh, just looks terrible. And it never brings up, never brings up the fact that I it think, was a crappy day. It was a, both guys were having trouble throwing the ball. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that we've seen Burrow be a lot more successful, a lot more recently. Um, Correct. Especially like in the playoff game against Buffalo, where it was snowing and they had no trouble doing anything against the bills defense. When you come out, you don't have any training camp reps and you don't have any preseason. I get I get that. I I push back a little bit like you do on the fact like, okay, it's AFC North football. There's going to be rain. You're not a dome team. Like, be right. With it. So I, I do get the pushback there. And I do think that it's not just Joe Burrow. Like, Patrick Mahomes, Burrow, they get coddled a lot after a bad game where if you're Josh Allen or you're Justin Herbert, it doesn't matter. You get crucified if you play that. And look, I'm not right. innocent in that. Like, I... I would defend like Josh Allen to the end of the earth. But last night, he was horrible. Oh, so bad. So and bad. So uh, I do think that there should be equal, you know, uh, distribution of, of blame when it comes to guys like Burrow and Mahomes who get coddled after they have bad games. But if you're Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, people crucify you if you don't play well. So I do think that that is a little unfair. So now I want to take a little bit more umbrage and I want to talk this out with you with something you said before, because you said you believe top to bottom, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a better 53 than the Cleveland Browns. I would make, and I'm, I'm interested. I want to admit a little bit. I want to walk through this with you and maybe we got to have that argument a little bit. Cause I don't sure. know that I see that. I don't know. I don't know that I, I don't know where I would see that. And so, say, so tell me, where do you, where do you think the Steelers are deeper? In terms of their skill position, guys, I think I like them a little bit better. Um, I would take Deontay Johnson over Amari Cooper, and I would take George Pickens over their number two receiver, personally. I think that Deontay Johnson is very underrated in terms of his ability to create natural separation. And you look at what he's had to deal with at quarterback throughout his career. It was Rudolph and Hodges in his first year, 
and then prehistoric Ben Roethlisberger and then a rookie quarterback last year trying to develop some sort of chemistry right now. So now I will say this after week one, I would certainly listen to the argument that the Browns are deeper. That's fine. I wouldn't even argue if you said, yeah, the Browns are a better roster. I, I think it's very up in the air and you can make the argument for either. Um, I think the Steelers linebacker wise and the Browns linebacker wise don't have the strongest rooms uh, in terms of their off ball linebackers. Uh, and of course, like I'm going to, as a Steelers fan, I'm going to say TJ Watt is better than Miles Garrett. Um, well, if you look at the numbers throughout their careers too, Watt does have the better numbers in most categories. So, and mm. I think that he's just a better overall player, just personally. Um, I think that's, that's the one, listen, that's the one. If you want to go there. Okay. I mean, Cause I think, you could sit there and talk, you could sit there and talk about TJ Watt has more sacks and, sure. uh, uh, but we can talk about Miles Garrett winning, uh, winning at the line, having a better pass sure. rush win rate uh, yep. significantly. But but who cares about that matchup? Those are the two. Those are the two best players on the team on Absolutely. both on, on the defensive yep. side of the ball. So we could sit here and talk about T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. And we're going to walk into a brick wall, right? Like that's just yeah. how that's going to work because they're two great this, players. And I will say this too: without Hayward and without Deontay Johnson, like the Browns right now, I mean that that scale shifts a lot in the favor of Cleveland. Yeah, it, it's. I think the 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 Deontay take is eye opening to me. Uh, I think he's, Deontay, he's very good. I think he's, he's a top good. ten I, receiver, but well, I, I think say, saying he's better than Amari Cooper is. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been uh, fifteen hundred yards last year, five straight years of a thousand yards. I mean, Amari Cooper is incredible. I don't know. I feel like he's wildly underrated because he's not like a big flashy like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type. But that dude is a, an easy, clear, obvious number one. I don't know that I'd say Deontay Johnson's a number one. I think that's I why think, they went and got Pickens. I think both of them are number ones, but the thing with Deontay and Pickens are two very different players. Like Deontay Johnson is a very good route runner, can create natural space. George Pickens isn't a good route runner. He's a very good, okay, he'll turn that 50-50 ball into a 75-25 ball. He's a very good deep threat. He'll make spectacular catches, but his route tree isn't very deep and he's not that great of a route runner. So they're two very different receivers and used for very different things. Um, I think you might be onto something. I think Amari Cooper is vastly underrated. I think Deontay Johnson's also vastly underrated. Um, you might be onto something too, especially playing in the division that Jamar Chase is in. They might not get as much love as they deserve. Um, Amari Cooper, not a guy who talks a lot, which I think for him might not serve him well in terms of like, you know, the media and whatnot. He's not going to be the guy grittying after touchdowns and whatnot, getting in people's faces. God, but, I don't think he knows how. Nah, That's fine. But, That's but fine. A very quality receiver is Amari Cooper. Uh, talk to us a little bit. I think one thing that we're really interested in, and somebody said it in the comments, and I, I don't know where it went here, but is this correct? Did the 49ers sack Kenny Pickett at all? I think they sacked him five times. Did they sack him five? I don't know why somebody me, said they didn't get a me, sack. Let me pull it up, actually, because now I'm curious on how many times they got to him. Yeah, pull that up because... Sorry, you don't work for me. I don't know why I'm telling you to pull it up, but you're doing it, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, now I'm just curious, and I want to see the exact numbers. But I'm pretty sure they yeah. got to him five times. Let's see. Okay, it was five times. They're looking it up in the comments. Okay. I don't know who was. Maybe they were just saying Bosa didn't get a sack, and maybe I just misread it. Yeah, right. I don't think Bosa got to pick it at all. Uh, but there was a few guys where Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson. I think Drake Jackson had three sacks. Like, for some yeah. reason, they just couldn't contain him. Just, just two guys with three sacks in the same game. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, what kind of – do you have any concern about the Steelers' offensive line? And and for this matchup specifically, because you got to feel like one of the matchups of the night – the way that the Browns were able to get pressure on Joe Burrow all day from yeah. every angle uh, has got to be concerning 
with an offensive line. That's a Bengals offensive line that they've dumped a ton of money into to get better. They literally yeah. brought in Orlando Brown to stop Miles Garrett for the most part. Uh, and he didn't. And so talk about the Steelers offensive line against the Browns defensive line. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers had a bad day offensive line-wise against the 49ers, but, I mean, having five sacks and a bunch of pressures isn't going to help. Um, no. Tukes and Corfor might not play, which means they're going to probably move Dan Moore over to the right side, have Broderick Jones play the left. And th- there's your matchup right there. Can Broderick Jones contain Miles Garrett? And, you know, that's why you draft That's why you draft Broderick Jones, because Dan Moore wasn't really getting the job done. He played well in camp, and um, early on in camp and early in the preseason, Broderick Jones struggled with pass pro. And now it's, it looks like it's going to be, all right, well, sorry, kid, good luck. It's a trial-by-fire type situation where yeah. they need him to, to step up. Um, in the run game, that's where he's going to be most valuable because he's really athletic and he can get to that second and third level downfield in, 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 while, while run blocking. But having him go against Garrett and if they move him around, having him go against guys like Zadari Smith, that's how you know he's going to learn. And I think that it's a good thing for the Steelers because at this point, like Steelers aren't going to be a Super Bowl team this year, regardless, in my opinion, at least. I don't think that they're, you know, amongst that level of teams in the AFC. You might as well get this guy ready for what he's going to be in store for for the next five years. And if you extend him the next, you know, close to a decade and going up against a Browns defensive line, that's very good. That's, that's how you do it. So I think that the advantage in terms of defensive lines or the battle of O-line versus D-line goes to Cleveland. Um, and I think you could say the same thing for the Steelers right now, where, you know, the edge rushers of the Steelers are, I think, right now are better than, you know, especially the right side with Jack Conklin gone. Um, so it's going to be both both defensive lines and edge rushers are going to be be gunning for, for each other's quarterbacks. I, I like this comment, so I put it up. Uh, do you think Mason Cole can defend the crossover? No, if I see Miles Garrett hitting Euro steps, I'm I'm turning the game off. I'm done. I know, I know, this is gonna be it's gonna be hell for three hours. Mason Cole did not have a good game against the 49ers either, by the way, which worries me. Where do you feel most confident going into this game? Ooh, not a lot of places. I mean, man, you were yeah. talking about. I, I got to tell you, you were talking about this Browns roster. You're talking about him lucking into like eight, nine wins, something like that. Like, uh, and and. And I, I appreciate your rationality and your willingness to look at this thing, but it's kind of like when you're like, not most places. Well, I mean, I'm confused. The, the, you know, a lot of that confidence came, you know, before Sunday. And I was like, all right, you know, looking at, you know, the rosters. And a lot of this also comes from the fact that I trust Mike Tomlin more than just about yes. any coach. And the thing with Stefanski right now, like, I think he's a really good offensive mind, really good play caller. It just seems like him and Watson don't mesh offensively. And that's not necessarily either of their faults. Like sometimes you can have two capable guys that just don't work in each other's system. I think that if they go a lot more like gun run stuff to throw defenses off, that'll serve them well. But if they struggle, it's not going to be, it's not going to be Watson who goes, it's going to be the head coach. Um, But in terms of, you know, where I'm most confident, you're always going to be confident in 90 as a Steelers fan. Yeah. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick as well. I'm hoping that we see a big, a big takeaway from him uh, this Monday night. I think that would be great. Um, the defensive backfield wasn't much of a factor whatsoever against the 49ers. So if, if the Steelers can get pressure and the defensive backfield can be a little bit more aggressive and we can see Minka Fitzpatrick kind of roaming that center field role uh, and, and reading plays and trying to make, you know, pick some balls off or, you know, make a difference, that would be nice. So 90 and 39 on defense is where most of my confidence lies. Offensively, man, I 
there's not a lot to have right now, especially after Sunday. So the, the it's amazing what one game can do to you after you have a lot of expectations uh, coming into the season. And when your quarterback doesn't look good, when your offensive line struggles, and it takes your confidence level down a bit. But you always have confidence in your all-pro defenders, and uh, that's that's where my mind's at right now with Pittsburgh. From a from a just doing the right thing perspective, you and I are not allowed to agree on a whole heck of a lot. But I think <laughs> one area, one area that I think a lot of people and we were, we had it in the comments before. I think if there's an area, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, where you should always feel confident, is that you have Mike Tomlin as your head coach. Uh, I, and I think a lot of Browns fans. I think if we get out of our Brown Steelers rivalry chat, which a lot of people are having fun with here in the comments, some people are going a little overboard. We don't need to do that, but. Uh, I think if we get out of that for a minute and just talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers themselves, I think a lot of Browns fans would say, hey, as long as they've got we're, – we're seeing it now. Always respect Tomlin. If if Mike Tomlin's the head coach, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to be a pushover team, period. And that's, I, that's – coming into this, coming into this, when I looked at Pittsburgh's roster, coming into the season, I went, ugh. Like, I see flashes of things. You got T.J. Watt. I don't like – I'm not a Kenny Pickett believer. Um uh, George Pickens is a guy that can make big plays. I think there's flash. I, I think Najee Harris is okay. There's, there's things of there's flashes, but I want to be like, I think this is like maybe one of the lower end Steelers rosters that we've seen in a long time. But then there's Mike Tomlin and it's like, well, I can't pick them to just be, I want them to be terrible, <laughs> but I, I, until a Mike Tomlin team is terrible, then I can't pick them to be terrible. So a hundred percent right on that. Mike Tomlin is an area where you should be confident. And, you know, I tweeted this today. Um, that, you know what? Maybe the Steelers need like a six and 11 season to open eyes in the organization. Not necessarily about Tomlin, but to go outside their own walls and hire an offensive coordinator that's worth a damn. And to maybe get a quarterback that they draft or trade for because of talent, not because of the school that he went to. And when it comes to that, you know, there's always the argument, oh, man, Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. Well, I got to be honest with you, man. I would take a four and 13 year if it meant getting a quarterback that I felt confident in. And yeah, like sometimes the worst thing that you can be is in purgatory. Like if you're the 17th best team in the league every year, that's not a great place to be. If you suck for a year and get some guys that are worth a damn on the roster and get a quarterback that you feel confident in, then I can really look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville was God awful for a decade and a half. And now right now they're one of the best teams in the NFL because they got a quarterback that can lead their franchise going forward. Steelers, they had Ben Roethlisberger for a long time. As I mean, Browns fans are well aware. We know. And now, and, and now with Pickett, it's just I don't know. Like I'm not the I'm not a Pickett guy either. I'm, I don't hate him as a person. He seems like a really swell dude. But on the field, man, like I'll believe it but when that's I see it. it. And that's 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 what I've said. And and that's where you want to avoid. I if you like basketball, I always use the Atlanta Hawks reference. The Atlanta Hawks were always yes. that team that were just like so good in the regular season. They had these guys that were pretty good, and but they never had they the guy. LeBron, you get swept. Yeah. Yeah. You never had the guy. You don't want to not have the guy. You don't want to be in court. We live in, we have the reason they went and got Deshaun Watson and made a drastic move for the franchise. Yeah. And we don't know how it's going to wind up. Although I think we're all pretty hopeful this year is that we have lived in quarterback purgatory. That's how and we've been the way we are. And like, obviously, like the optics of it weren't great because of everything that Watson was accused of and everything like that. But, you know, at this point, and I think there's probably always going to be kind of that that gray cloud. For around sure. it. But, you know, if he plays well and the Browns do take a step forward, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of fans that are saying, you know what, it was worth it. And I, I get it, man. Like I do like Ben Roethlisberger is my favorite player of all time. The only quarterback I knew growing up, obviously he was accused of similar things to Watson. When you win, it masks a lot of things right or wrong. It does. And hundred percent. And if the Browns, you know, rattle off 12 wins this season and make a deep playoff run, there's going to be a lot of fr- fans who, who might have been even against, like Browns fans, even against the addition of Watson, who are going to be in the stadium cheering regardless. And just how it is. Yeah. Uh, what's that What's that atmosphere going to be like? Pittsburgh, Monday Night Football. I mean, it's Pittsburgh football, man. And, and primetime, you know the stadium's going to be rocking. Um, in terms of like what the game's going to be like, I don't know what the over-under is for this. If somebody in the comments could look that up for me. I'm sure they will. Lovely. Um, I'm betting the under thing is going to be a nice defensive matchup. I think there's going to be a lot of running the ball going on. Um, so somewhere in the neighborhood of like 16, 13, 17, 14, and you know, I'm sure Renegade will get played at some point in the fourth quarter. It'll be a close game. Um, so it's, it's, it's Brown Steelers, man. It's AFC North football and it's going to be a, a a raucous crowd in an early season Monday night football game. It's going to be fun. Jared Bailey, give me your give me your prediction. I won't I won't kill you too much for it. What's your what's your? I know you told me a little bit of what you thought the score was there, but give me your prediction for the game. You know, the Steelers haven't started. If I have my mind correct, they haven't started over under. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Over under forty two and a half. Oh yeah, I'm betting the under on that. <laughs> Definitely betting the under on that. Um, if I if my mind serves me correctly, the Steelers haven't started zero and two since 2014 when they started off zero and four, or was it 2013? Somewhere in that neighborhood. So. I might be biased with my take here, but I just don't see them starting off that poorly. I think that they do rebound. Would it shock me if the Browns win? No, but you know, being a Steelers guy, I am going to predict them to win. I'm not going to bet on the outcome of that game, but I will bet the over-under. Um, so I'll say Steelers 17-13. We'll go with we'll go with 17-13. I like the hope. I like the hopefulness. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you mine, and I promise you I'm not trying to be a jerk. The, the optimism lives here in Cleveland, though. The That's optimism fine. lives. The roster is deep. Uh, the players are, I mean, I think the optimism comes from what the defensive backs did last week. I mean, they were insane. They were good. Uh, uh, Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward and MJ Emerson, and they uh, they were given Jamar Chase nightmares. I think they can do that to Allen Robinson and uh, uh, George Pickens. So uh, this is not meant to be insulting at all, but I'm going 28-10. I go in 28-10. I think the Browns get off the schneid offensively a little cool. bit. I hope the weather is decent. Uh, and, I'll have and to if look it to is, see I go 28 to be. Hey, look, Which yeah, is yeah, still yeah. the under. That's still the under. That's still, it is still the under. Yeah, you're right. Um, if that happens, man, heads are going to roll. I promise you that much. Something's got to change if that happens. Hey, you talked about the last time the Steelers started 0-2. You know the last time the Browns started 2-0? and Oh, hold on. Let me think. You're going to have to think really hard. And it's going to be before you were born, my friend. Well, so it's got to be like pre-96 then. I'll say 92. It was, it's been 30 years since the 93. Cleveland Browns started a season 2-0. I think that uh, we, we've, talked about breaking, we've talked about breaking down uh, uh, things and, and, and tendencies and all that. They started last week by winning their first home game since 2004, their first home opener week one game since 2004. They they break the next one this week. They beat up on the Steelers, uh, and and I think I think we are for real. So that's what I'm going to go with. Listen, Jared Bailey, man, it's been a blast. It's been fun. Uh, I appreciate your your looks on things. Uh, the reason I asked you on here, uh, I, I've read up on some of your stuff, and you're very level headed on on um, 
and then we like that on the OBR and how we cover things. We, you, you are, you're not afraid to give your opinion, uh, both good or bad. And I wanted to hear kind of your thoughts on how everything the Steelers going, uh, is going on right now. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, go ahead. If you got something. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Browns fans are a special bunch. I will say that. And I, I, I promise. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, in the, and I mean that in a very positive way. Um, a bunch of, you know, beat guys like Jared Mueller from SB Nation, who, who covers the Browns for SB Nation. Great dude. Uh, one of one of my pals in media. Um, so there's there's a lot of Browns beat guys who are really good dudes that I love hanging out with every time. You know, whether it be in Mobile or for the Combine, that I that I always like being around the fan base. One of the best in sports in terms of hey, long suffering, but they still come around. They still stick around. Very similar to that of like Buffalo and Detroit, where it's blue collar towns who haven't had a lot of winning football to like really be excited about, but they still show up. And I admire that in a fan base. And I recognize how spoiled I am as a fan that really hasn't had to deal with that too much. So hats off to Browns fans, hats off to you know, hopefully a season worth, uh, you know, worth being around for, you know, I, I mean that genuinely, I know as a Steelers fan, I'm not supposed to like hope for good things for the Browns, but like the, the better the division, the, uh, the more fun, the competition and uh, stuff like this. Uh, always makes it fun. So cheers to Browns fans. Hey, listen, you see it on the screen. Make sure you go follow uh, Jarrett over on Twitter, Jay Bailey NFL. Again, he doesn't just cover the Steelers. He covers a lot of the Steelers, but he writes for the NFL for USA Today. Uh, again, he runs behind the steel curtain for SB Nation. And if you want to listen to Jarrett talk a little bit more, check out the pump fake on the Believe Network. Jarrett, uh, it was awesome having you on. Great work over there. Good job covering the Steelers. It's always good reading your stuff. Thanks for the nice words. Uh, and now... Now it's time to stop saying nice things about each other. Hope the Browns take care of the Steelers this week. All right, man. Hey, man. Take care, buddy. All right, Jarrett Bailey. Again, go check him out. I'm going to leave this up. Uh, again, uh, at J Bailey NFL on Twitter. Uh, behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, he's really in tune with what they got going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He uh, uh, probably doesn't pay close enough attention to the Browns, but why would you at this point? So we'll see what happens. Uh, but again, huge shout out to Jarrett Bailey. Uh, for coming on and talking about Brown Steelers with us here on The Doghouse. That's going to do it for episode number two of The Doghouse this 2023 season. Uh, just coming up on the OBR streaming network tonight in just an hour. Come back. Go get a drink. Go grab your beers. Do whatever you got to do. Go to the bathroom. Come back at 9 o'clock. It is garage beers time. We got Adam the Bull on from the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. We're going to talk about that Browns-Bengals game a little bit more. He's a Bengals fan, so we're going to get his perspective. I want to know if this changed people's minds. I want to know if this changed people's minds or if they're just saying, ah, week one and Joe Burrow always starts slow and the Browns were just lucky. Uh, we heard that a little bit from Jared. I want to see what we hear from Bull. So we're going to have Bull on at 9 o'clock here tonight. And then uh, the rest of the week, again, OBR Weekly tomorrow night. Barry and Fred, and then all eyes on Cleveland on Thursday leading into Monday night's game and stay up late on Monday with us because after the game, we will have the best post-game show out there immediately following the game. So really appreciate you guys joining us for uh, episode number two of the Doghouse. we got a great guest scheduled for next week as they we get ready for the Tennessee Titans in week three. Uh, so hopefully you'll hang with us. Hopefully you enjoy the show, and we will see you next week on the Doghouse. Until then, cheers, everybody. Go Browns.